Ceramics are everywhere in today's world, but who are the scientists and engineers who work with such materials? Now is your chance to meet them here on Ceramic Tech Chat. I'm Eileen DeGeer, and this is Ceramic Tech Chat. In recent years, additive manufacturing has become a topic of significant interest in the ceramic industry. Compared to plastics and metals, ceramics tend to be more difficult to form with additive manufacturing, but recent advances by various researchers and companies have moved the technology toward commercial viability. One company that has played a big role in introducing additive manufacturing for ceramics is Lithos. Based in Vienna, Austria, Lithos develops and manufactures materials and additive manufacturing systems for producing high-performance ceramics. We developed the, the so-called lithography-based ceramic manufacturing process, which means we are using light as a structuring method. And so we can build up three-dimensional part in any design which we want and advantages that we can make very strong and dense and precise parts, which is, I think, one of the most important issues if you want to print ceramic parts. That's Johannes Homa, co-founder and CEO of Lithos. When Johannes launched Lithos with his co-founding partner, Johannes Benedict, in 2011, they were one of the only companies providing machines for additive manufacturing of ceramics. And their lithography-based ceramic manufacturing technology was far from being an accepted forming method in the industry. So how does someone go about launching a company in a nascent field that has not yet gained acceptance in industry? What must you do to help establish your products as relevant to the future of manufacturing? Although the science of additive manufacturing greatly interests Johannes, he says the management side of the industry has always been a draw for him. I was starting industrial engineering at Vienna University of Technology, TU Wien. And I was sure I wanted to focus more on the management side of the courses. And then I came across additive manufacturing, or at this time it was called 3D printing, and I, I got in touch with Professor Stampfer. And I was so fascinated by this technology so that I, I sticked to that. And actually, I did first, you know, as a student, the project work. And then I was asked to do my, my master thesis there, and I said, well, yes, that's cool. I want to stick to this topic. And then further on to the PhD, then to, to a postdoc. So why did you decide that a PhD was going to help you? Mm. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I didn't think it will help me. It was just as a matter of fact, I came into that. So when I did my master thesis, the very last, I mean, it was like, Different, different topics I was covering in ceramics and, and, um, and additive manufacturing. And one of the topics was jail casting. And this was like, let's say, like a feasibility study for, for a company. And, and the company was so fascinated by the first results that they wanted to move forward and they, they handed in for a grant. And they asked me to work on this grant, but I had already, I was already negotiating a job offer with a, with a big company to get started in a management curriculum. 
And they asked me, no, please stay there. We wanted to move on with you. And you can then be part of, of starting a company. I mean, I, was, I wasn't, should not be involved in being a, a co-founder, but they were offering me to, to support the foundation of a company on the green field. And I said, well, I mean, that's really cool. That's what I like. And so I dropped the job offer and, and started my PhD, actually. So it was not it was not on my way it was like you know it just came across <laughs> right it was an opportunity that checked off a number of priorities for you exactly yeah and so in that experience did you end up helping to start a company with that project no actually that was i mean basically after 2 years the company didn't proceed with the with this project not because it was not technically viable viable but they had some whatever internal stuff and and then uh, actually professor stamford told me you know you just work 2 years now on this topic that's not enough for finalizing a phd you need to do more and and you know we were we were doing jail casting of ceramics and and printing the mold by 3d printing and then he said you know what why don't we just print ceramics? You know, we are printing mold and then casting it. We can also print it. So let's go and get started. Excellent. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about your co-founding partner, Johannes Benedict, and why it was a good partnership? And what happened? What was the birth story mm-hmm. for, of Lethos? Yeah, <laughs> that's. Just, I mean, the, the birth story was actually when he was doing his master thesis at at our institute, doing something completely different. has had nothing to do with additive manufacturing, but when I saw him working, I could see that he is a mechanical engineer by heart, and uh, which I was not actually. So I, I I met him the the other day. And, you know, we were just, we were not really friends. We were just, you know, said hello, you know, when you meet somebody at the Institute, you know, not really. Uh, and the other day I met him and, and I said, you know, what's going on with your, with your master thesis? And I said, yeah, I will finish in two weeks. And I said, yes. And then and I have no idea yet. And then I told him, you know what, go up in the, to Professor Stampfer and, and ask him for a job. And... <laughs> I think 15 minutes later, he came back and said, okay, I will start in August. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he was he was heading into this project. You know, I was finalizing my PhD. I, I um, gave him uh, all, I, I, I gave him the project. So he took over the project and, you know, I trained him for the very beginning and then he did his own work there, you know, focusing more on the mechanical side. I was focusing more on the material side. And, and then, you know, after I finished my PhD, we started to work again together. And then it was more or less, it was crystal clear that, that we will do it together. And I mean, we, we, we were then, uh, or we made good friends and still we are. And, you know, it's, it's good to have somebody, if at least for me, it was, was and, and I think also for him, it was good to have somebody who you can talk to when you're founding a company. I mean, this is a a huge step and a very critical step and not always easy. And then it's good if you have a partner where you can rely on, where a partner which you can trust. And yeah, simply sometimes somebody you can talk to and you know discuss your your sorrows and your problems with him. 
And yeah, yeah it was actually perfect decision to, to do it together. Excellent. Great. Before launching a company, you must first identify an opportunity or gap that offers a competitive advantage in the marketplace. And Johannes's experience with industry allowed him to do just that. You know, I was working for a while in additive manufacturing at this time, so I already knew the market quite well. I mean, the general market and for plastic, additive manufacturing was already established. Metals came up really booming, the new stuff, you know, that laser melting, that this was really going towards industrialization, but ceramic was still lagging behind. And the problem was that so far, nobody could meet the high demand of the ceramic industry. So, and this was basically quality. Quality means strength, density, uh, reproducibility, accuracy, and nobody could meet it. Especially strength was one of the, the most critical issues, which means you should not have any defects there. And for us, the, the key was that if we want to go on the market, we have to have the same material properties as in conventional farming technology. This was for us the, the barrier we had to, to, to meet. Otherwise, it would not have made sense for us. And, and then, you know, once we were stepping into this market, it, it was opening up. Of course, it took some time for the, for the whole ceramic market to develop, to understand the, the advantages of additive manufacturing. But we see it now really kicking off. So would you say the marketplace has expanded then and is embracing the idea of additive manufacturing? Dramatically, dramatically. Okay. We see in the last, yeah, last one, two years, actually, we see that, that the marketplace has changed quite a lot, um, you know, starting with some early innovators and, and, and people or companies who want to pioneer this field. We see now that additive manufacturing is going into serial production, is going into a broader, into broader applications. And even customers are asking now for additive manufacturing. Uh, maybe a couple of, let's say, five, six years ago, at the, maybe at the, in an Acer's trade fair at the, at the Donut Beach, you know, people were coming and asking, oh, you are doing additive for ceramics. Uh, great. <laughs> and... And now this has changed dramatically to that people are coming with a very specific problem, which can just be solved by additive manufacturing. That's great. So, yeah. Uh, one of the promises of additive manufacturing has always been that you can design functional parts that can't be formed through traditional methods. And that usually means they have some sort of internal structure that you can't mm -hmm. form through casting or injection molding or something. Mm -hmm. So, is the industry embracing that promise? Are you starting to see people making parts that can't be made other ways? Definitely, definitely. Okay. This is this is my perspective. Is my opinion is that, that this is actually the the huge market to to design things which are not possible with with other form of technologies. But what I also learned is that humans are good in copying, but not so much in creating. And especially in the ceramic industry, which is actually a very traditional and, and engineering-based industry, changes are 
changes are being very slow. So it takes time to to incorporate these these new design ideas, but definitely they are coming up. And do you see the marketplace looking at additive manufacturing as an industry scale process? It kind of started as a prototyping kind of technology, but do you think there's are you seeing manufacturers take it to an industry manufacturing scale? De- definitely, I can see it. I mean, you know, from the from the first, if if somebody looks at additive manufacturing, the easiest way to think is is just you know just make prototypes because I mean that's so easy to see that's a no brainer. But as companies are dealing with this technology, they are building up new parts and new applications, and then they need to do additive manufacturing in in order to produce their parts. So we see here two different approaches. One approach is that people are designing their part so that it can only be produced by additive manufacturing. And then there is no other means than do it than do it by additive manufacturing. And the other thing is that we see that for example medical industry, like medical device industry, where the, the lot sizes are rather small, like five, ten, twenty thousand per year that they switch from powder injection molding to additive manufacturing because it's more cost effective to produce it by additive manufacturing rather than injection molding. And what is currently state of the art is that our customers are already producing parts in 10 to 20,000 parts per year. Great. And I guess that stands to reason, actually, if, if somebody designs a part that must be made by additive, then you you have to be able to scale up. Yeah, I think scaling up, I mean, this is always an issue what the industry has, you know, it's a, yeah, with this small machine, we cannot scale up, but this is not the, the issue. Scaling up is actually something which which has to be done once you know what you want to print. And our experience is that scaling up is always possible, and the technology itself is, in most cases, not the deal breaker. In most cases, it's really, you know, understanding the application, going to the market and making everything around the production technology. Because, as, as you know, I mean, producing is not everything if you want to bring innovation to a market. And so what is the role, the role of a company like yours in helping the marketplace get educated about the potential and some of these innovation issues that you've been discussing? Yeah, this is what we are trying to do. First of all, we are trying to enable things. So we, you know, we can, since we are not on the market with the parts itself, we can just enable our customers to produce those new parts and and these new applications. And so on the one hand, we are trying to be not only a machine supplier, but we are we want to be more as a, we want to be more seen as a partner who supports their customers to be successful with their application. And on the other hand, of course, we doing we do a lot of education. So if you look on our website, there is a, a lots of papers, articles, webinars which you can can download and watch. What we are trying to do is to you know tell people what's possible with additive manufacturing. Yeah. So that leads me to 
the next question, which is, you know, we've seen a lot of you at ACERS events as an exhibitor, as a speaker, other things. So what would you say is the benefit to a company like Lethos that the society can help with? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great network and a great multiplier. So as you say, you know, you have the, the, the Donut Beach meeting, which is actually for us every year a must-be event, you know, with the exhibition there as well as the technical sessions. Being in this in this network is just very helpful and very good. And as well to have... Um, the, the cooperation in the with the short courses and the, and the webinars so uh, we are very happy that acers is supporting us and and helping us as well as acers is also supporting additive manufacturing as a new innovation technology we, we I cannot imagine a, a American market without acers I mean it's very important for us. So did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur or did this opportunity kind of just present itself? Mm, uh, kind of, you know, as I, as I took this opportunity with, with staying at the university with the PhD, I already had this, this entrepreneurial spirit, let's put it that way, rather, you know, to build something up. This was something which was fascinating me. And so I think, you know, when I got into that and, and being more into these entrepreneurial ideas, I think I had a clear vision towards going to be an entrepreneur. So what personality attributes or would you say are the key to being a successful entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what, what, I mean, there are a lot of, of success factors and I think there is no single success factor which you can say this is it I think you know it depends you can you can be an entrepreneur with different personalities you can be a different you can be an entrepreneur coming up from different backgrounds I think you know what's important is to to stand up after breakdown you know or if if things go wrong just you know stand up again and and do it again and and trying to 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 live your your dream and i think you have to work hard i think this is for sure something which is sometimes a little bit underestimated but i think the most important one is to to stand up after after you have fallen down so to expect some failure and to be willing to persevere through it there are failures everywhere in every every person's life and in, in every every day. I mean, you know, but as an entrepreneur, you're just facing a little bit more of them. <laughs> <laughs> so how old was Lethos or what happened when you realized, okay, this is gonna be a success? <laughs> Difficult question. You know, when we kicked off, we always say, okay, whatever happens we have to be somehow successful and if not you know we just print parts and we stay small but we keep it as it is and then you know you start with we were starting with two employees and total four people and and then you see that the company is growing you of course you're facing a lot of problems and the market acceptance is was not yet there and I don't know when you realize it, but at a certain point, it's actually, I think, when when Dr. Langer 
came to us. Uh, I don't know if you know Dr. Lang, but he's the CEO and, and, and founder of EOS, the metal additive manufacturing company, world market leader there. Came to us and saying, you know, we have never seen such good ceramic parts. We want to be part of you. And then we thought, wait, this must be something, something really meaningful what we did. And, and then suddenly you end up being 20 people, 30 people, 40 people. And then you say, okay, it has to be somehow successful at the end. And we see now really that, that this pays off and, and that the market is really accepting additive manufacturing. And, and we have been world market leader in this field. We are world market leader in this field. And this shows that we have done our, our things right. Another measure of being successful is you start to get competition. So are you starting to see anybody else out there trying to grab a piece mm -hmm. of your business? Yeah. And <laughs> actually, or it's fun. In the beginning, I was thinking, you know, we were promoting, we are the only company doing or, or providing machines for additive manufacturing of ceramics. And then, I don't know, in a couple of years after after we founded it, I realized that it's not good being the only one because if you're the only one, it shows that there is no interest in the market. Now we see a lot of competition, but still we are the golden standard in terms of quality and technological leadership. So I think it's good to have competition. You know, it drives the market. Competition supports your marketing e uh, effects and you know if they found an application the which is which is interesting the the companies will look for other technologies as well so i'm as long as competition is is honest and and good it it's part of the business and it's it's good and we have our aim is to stay world market and technology leader in the field because in I always say in ceramics are three things which are meta. And, and this is first quality, second quality, and third quality. And this is where we think that we are really far ahead of our competition. Great. Uh, another measure of success is growth. And I think you're up to about 70 employees mm -hmm. now. And you've expanded with a subsidiary in the United States called Lithos America. And you've spun off a company to specialize in metals. I think they're in Vienna called Incas. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what was behind those decisions and how you assess opportunities like mm -hmm. expanding into a different country? Yeah. I mean, for us, it was, we were, we, we were selling our first system in 2000. 15, 14 or 15 to the United States. And we realized that there is that. And, and then, you know, we wanted to build up some sales partnership and, and stuff like this, but there's a different attitude in the U S than, than here in Europe. And so we also were coming across the export control and export control and, and stuff like this. And then, you know, we were just saying, okay, it really doesn't work out with the sales partners we wanted. We we cannot do all the business there because we cannot do the, the ITA controlled stuff. And and then we decided to build up a subsidiary there. I think in 2016, we were thinking of doing so and looking for, for partners to do so. 
And the U.S. is a big market. I mean, it's one third of the ceramic market and we see a huge expansion there. We are happy to be there, actually. And, yeah, and, you know, I think you have to, to seize the opportunities as they as they come, come along. So I know you, we were, we were trying to find a solution and then we met through our network. We met Sean Allen, who is now managing our subsidiary there in America. And we are so happy to have him because he's a technological expert having a similar attitude as we have. And that makes great fun to work with him. Well, we enjoy working with him too. As you know, he's been extremely generous with his time helping us with short courses and workshops to help educate our industry about additive manufacturing. So um, we appreciate that. So what does the future look like for Lethos? You've come a long way in nine years. Do the next nine years look as big in terms of growth? I think we're looking into a very bright future this is what has what what the COVID crisis has shown us that now much more that you need to have a res, resilient supply chain, and more companies are looking on to additive manufacturing because of the, you know, the for example the digital production technology. As we you know as we are meeting right now, we are a digital channel, and they have boomed through this Corona crisis. We will also see that the digital production technologies like additive manufacturing will even more will be even more successful to for for the industry to enable them to be more resilient towards shocks and crises so i see still a lot of growth big markets we have a lot of opportunities coming up or opportunities we're already working on so it's i think it's very bright oh that's great We look forward to watching that unfold in the next couple of years. When it comes to starting a business, venturing into uncharted territory can be intimidating, but having the right partners and being willing to stand up after you fall help make the attempt worth the risk. And unless you try... You'll never know if your idea may become the next big industrial trend. I'm Eileen DeGeer, and this is Ceramic Tech Chat. Visit our website at ceramics.org for this episode's show notes to learn more about Lethos. Ceramic Tech Chat is produced by Lisa McDonald and copyrighted by the American Ceramic Society. Until next time, I'm Eileen DeGeer, and thank you for joining us.